life. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll just open up in prayer and get into the service. Because I got a three hour sermon. You ready for that? Let's, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just are grateful for you and we love you. We appreciate all you've done for us throughout this week. And we just want to come and celebrate you and worship you and give you the praise that's worthy of your name. So Father, we just want to just shout it out today. Uh, we want to be loud in our, our, our singing just from the heart, Lord. We want you to know that our hearts are into you and we're appreciative of all that you do. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship. sin and shame and they were like prisons that we couldn't escape but he came and he died and he rose those walls are rubble now remember those giants we called death and grave and they were like mountains that stood in a way but he came and he died and he rose those giants are dead now and this is our god this is who he is he loves us and this is our god this is what he does he saves us he bore the cross took our breath away a faith so weak that we could barely pray but he heard every word every whisper and now those altars in the wilderness they tell a story
There's nothing worth more than will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. The sweetest of love, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In your presence, Lord.
this morning. me mm-hmm. 
for this morning. Thank you for the children worshiping in the house. I'm so thankful for their heart of worship. Bless them as they go to their class. Jesus, be with us this morning. Be with pastor as he brings us your word. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated and we'll dismiss the kids. Shut my mic off and see if it works again. This month is uh, Ministry Appreciation Month, and so uh, I want to read some names off of people in different positions, so you just kind of know there are people serving you, and you may not know who they are, but there are plenty of people that are serving you. We have 
Uh, we just looked at it the other day. It's about a 40 to 50% uh, membership is serving in the ministry, which is huge in most churches. So for those who serve in security, there's Nick Jacobson, Felix Martinez, James Russell, Eric Horning, Roger Shipley, Kendrick George, Pat Kelly, Daniel Jasper, Gavin Jasper, Daniel. Uh, hospitality is Bruce and Dana, Tim and Anna, uh, Anna, um, Brandon and Myra. Cleaning is Marlo Russell, Christine Gochez, April Smith, Myra Hall, Monica Records, Cassie Wall. Counting the offerings is Christine Gochez, April Smith, Cassie Wall, Derek Wall, and Angelo Showerman. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 25, he, he said to his master, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. There's a lot of little things that get done in a church that you don't get to see who's doing them. But there's lots of little things that are being done. And he says, You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. There is a, a blessing that's coming from those who serve God in church ministry uh, that is much more than they, I think they could even imagine. And he says, enter thou in the joy of your master. I think it's important to recognize that we please God when we serve people. We please God when we serve people. That he is honored by our service, but he is pleased that we serve others, not just ourselves. And so I, I love that. Uh, and those people who serve in this ministry, that's what God is doing in them. Um, so let's, let's pray for them real quick. Can we do, let, in fact, let's stand, because we didn't even talk about the offering yet. I'm ready to preach. I don't know if you guys are ready to hear it, but I'm ready to preach. Um, but So we're going to pray for people, and then we're going to pray for the offering. So, Father, I just want to thank you for those who faithfully serve you in this ministry. Many of them, Lord God, have been serving you for years and years and years, and they've just surrendered to, to making sure that people get to hear the gospel, and they're comforted, and they feel safe and secure, and they're cared for, and that there's integrity in the ministry. And, Father, I just want to thank you for those who serve you in that way. I pray for the offerings, Lord God, that help support the ministries that they are, they are doing, that, that people are trusting you and faithful to you and obeying your word when it comes to tithes and offerings so that we can do the work of the ministry that you've called us to, and we appreciate you for that. So, Father, we love you, and we're just grateful that we get to be together today. I'm looking forward to what you have for us, and I pray that your people are open to what you're about to say, and we love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, y'all yeah. may be seated. One quick announcement, we have a, a men's pre-men's night out teaching that we're doing for, we got four more weeks left. It starts, it's on Wednesdays, every Wednesday. Starts at 6 o'clock in the morning, there's one at 6 o'clock in the morning, and it takes us about an hour and a half, and if you got to leave early to go to work, that's okay. If you don't have to go to work, you need to stay. That's a joke. But 6 until about 6.30, uh, and then uh, the the... PM, it's 6 p.m. So if you can't make the AM, come to the PM. So if you oversleep because you need the rest, come at night. And if you come at night or you can't come at night, come in the morning. So punish yourself if you don't come at the night one, but <laughs> but show up. It's 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 been a, it was a great study. Uh, I I am excited about what God's doing. It was a great turnout, and I loved how the men communicated with each other. And it's just uh, it's it's preparing us for the sermon that I'm going to preach, I think it's March something, not March, I said March, November 5th or something like that. It's, we'll, I'll get that announcement out next week. But that's our men's night out, Pre preparation for men's night out. We're trying to encourage men to be men of God. And if you're a wife, you want your husband to be a man of God. Amen. Okay, nobody responded. I, I don't know. <laughs> 
I'm trying to feel you out today, and I'm not getting very far. Um, this sermon this morning is Anna's fault. She's the one that said, I want you to preach on this. So if you have, like, I got nothing for next week. So if you're kind of a newer believer, and there's a story in the Bible that you want me to preach on, just tell me in the next, well, next hour and a half when I'm done. <laughs> tell me. And I, I, I'd love to preach on whatever story you have. Just so you know, it's not going to come out the way that you think it's going to come out. Because that's just not the way that I see the scriptures. So, um, so we're in a series called Just Jesus. I just want to preach on Jesus. So it's a Jesus story. Uh, and Anna asked me to preach on the parable of the... the uh, I just lost the parable. It's a parable of the 99, leaving the 99 to find the one. Wasn't that the right one? Because if it's not the right one, then I'm preaching this anyway. Because that's all I got, so. So, you know, I'm struggling, so <laughs> I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father, I think of those in our world who need hope today, who are broken, who are lost who don't know where to find love, the kind that you describe in the scriptures. I pray for those, Lord God, that are unsure of where to go or who, who, to, who to talk to about helping in their lives. That you would point them to, to those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that we would have the boldness, the confidence in the Holy Spirit to be unafraid and unashamed to share the fact that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That He can help whatever you're having struggles with. Father, most of us that are sitting here, we, we came to you in a time of brokenness and you saved us. And served us and straightened us up and made us stand up and put us on a solid rock. And we want others to know that. So Father, as we go through your word today, just help me to be clear in what I say. Help me with my weaknesses to show strength in you. We love you so and we just pray that you are encouraged by our hearts today. Because we're going to turn our hearts to you today. And we love you so in Jesus we pray and all God's people said... Early in my spiritual walk, well, let me back up and say this. I've been doing this for 25 years, pastoring, and I've told this story numerous times. So if you've heard it before, just get used to it because you're going to hear it again. But early in my spiritual walk, I began sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that I did not know. It's one thing to share the gospel with people that you know. It's another thing to share it with people that you don't know. And my hope was that the gospel would touch these people's hearts that I didn't know uh, with Christ, and that they would trust Christ as their Savior and be born again, because that's what I believe happens when you trust Christ as your Savior. The Scripture says you're born again. Am I the only one excited about that statement? I, I want to know who am I talking to. Thank, I'm, I'm, thank you. So on a Wednesday night before church, my friend Mark and I went door to door. You can't do that now because they got ring doorbells and they see you coming. 
and they're not going to let you in. But we used to go door to door. And uh, I was in better shape back then. I probably couldn't do it today. But we went to this one particular place. And this woman came to the door. And she was clearly broken in need of Jesus Christ. And we shared the gospel with her. And she prayed and trusted Christ as her Savior. And you could just see the change in her heart from the moment that we shared the gospel. And she trusted her. And she just got, she was born again. And we were so excited because she was just so happy with what God had done. And so we came to the Wednesday night service because we used to have services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then door-to-door evangelism on Saturday and Friday. Christianity was much busier back in the day. You think you're busy now. And we came to this service, and we were rejoicing. We were so excited about what happened to this, in this woman's life. In the moment she trusted Christ as her Savior, she went from death unto life. The moment that she trusted Christ as her Savior, she lost her pain and gained peace. There was such a fantastic transformation. We just came to church. We, just, we were just excited about it. But one bitter woman came up to us and made sure that we understood that we did not save that woman. To which we replied in the kindest way, duh. (laughs) But we shared the gospel like we're supposed to. I would rather be somebody who shares the gospel than somebody who complains about people who are sharing the gospel. So I shared the gospel. So she she tried to take away the joy. She tried to take away the excitement. I don't know if she was convicted because she wasn't sharing the gospel. I don't know. I, I didn't care. Uh, that which was lost was now found. So I didn't, didn't respond in the way that I think she wanted me to. But Luke chapter 15 and verse 7. Jesus says, just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven. More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. He goes on in verse 10, he says, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In the same context of the text, in verse 32, the Bible says, It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. It is right, it is good that we rejoice when somebody trusts Christ as their Savior. It is an exciting thing. Heaven goes nuts. When somebody trusts Christ as their Savior. And it doesn't matter who's trying to take away your joy. They can't take heaven's joy away when somebody trusts Christ as their Savior and their sins are forgiven. She tried to take our joy away, but you can't can't stop heaven from being happy. In this passage today, that we're, we're not going to read the whole passage because there's a lot there. There's three parables and some other additional parts. So if you want to put some pieces together, just go back and read Luke chapter 15. That's where I'm coming out of. Um, Jesus is teaching three parables. One's about a lost sheep and how a shepherd leaves the 99 to find one. The next one is about a woman who loses a coin and tears her house apart trying to find it. The third story, the third parable is about a lost son who chooses to walk away from his family and finally comes back home. 
And each of these stories are powerful in their own right. But I want to teach you something about reading your Bibles today. Don't just read the parables and think that's, that's all there is. Don't just take one part of something that Jesus put multiple parts together to get you the understanding. And just take that as what God is trying to say. See, if you look in Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, which I didn't ask you to put that in, so don't worry about that. Luke 15, 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And verse 2 says, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And they grumbled. Jesus is beginning to gather this group of people around him that he's doing life with. They're not socially acceptable people. Sinners and selfish people are beginning to draw near to him. I'm going to say that again. Sinners and selfish people are drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people of the time, grumbled about it. They're saying that Jesus is receiving sinners and eating with them. And and they didn't have the guts to go to Jesus and say, hey, we don't like that you're eating with these people. They just grumbled. They just under their breath. And Jesus heard them under their breath say, I can't believe Jesus is hanging around these people. I can't believe Jesus is, is talking to these people. I can't believe he's around them. He's supposed to be a teacher of the law. He's supposed to be the Messiah. And Jesus didn't come out, they didn't come out to Jesus directly, but you can sense the spirit of the room that they were trying to spoil the mood. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you're in a place and everyone's happy and then some cranky person walks in and just takes all the joy out of them, sucks all the life out of the room, sucks all the happiness out of them. I mean, just everything that would make you happy is gone now. You come home from work and you're just excited to come home from work and you walk in the front door and whoever the spouse is, the husband or the wife, takes all the joy out of the room. No, no, I don't want to go there. I'm afraid of that one. I've seen it in church so many times where you could have this amazing worship service and one person just takes all the joy out of it. Like you're celebrating Jesus and there's got to be somebody over there with their arms crossed upset because they didn't like the song choice or the song selection or they didn't like the attitude of the spirit of Krista when she sang. I had to pick on Krista because I can't. And they just take all the joy out of the room. Jesus is doing something. Jesus is at work. He's hanging around these people and they just grumble. And they, they don't have the guts to say anything to the person who's leading it. They just kind of give side comments and snide comments about what they didn't like about it. If you miss what I just taught you, you miss the whole reason for the three parables. That there were people who were trying to take the joy out of Jesus. So I wouldn't handle it the way that Jesus did. But that's why we need Jesus. Because I love the way he handles it. He says in the first parable of the lost sheep, he tries to use a terminology that they might understand a sheep and a shepherd because that was a very farming community so he used an illustration that he thought let me help you understand what I'm feeling Jesus says I want you to I want you to know why I'm rejoicing why I'm hanging around these people I want you to understand why I have no problem being with sinners 
and, and tax collectors. So he tries to use some, a, a story to help them understand what he does. And he says this. He says, which one of you, if you had 100 sheep and one gets lost, would you not leave the 99 that are safe and go after the one that was, is lost? Like, if the 99 are, are in the pen, if they're in the, 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 the corral, if they're in the barn, and the barn doors are closed, the 99 are fine. But what about that one lost sheep? I'm not talking about a rebellious sheep. I'm talking about a lost sheep. I was raised on a dairy farm. There's a difference between rebellious animals and lost animals. Most cows are rebellious. <laughs> There's a fence there with barbed wire, and they still push through it because they just nothing's going to stop them. But sometimes you run into a lost one. They have no idea why they're where they're at. They just they they picked their head up after eating grass, and they went, "What field am I in?" Have you ever known people like that? And he says, as a responsible shepherd, wouldn't you quit what you're doing? Wouldn't you leave the 99 who are okay to go find the one? Now, the truth is about the religious people of this day, which I, I love this idea of the story. Shepherds' duties, shepherds made them, their duties made them unclean. See, they had to watch the sheep on Saturday, too, when they had their services. So the shepherds couldn't go to church and be ceremonially cleansed because that's how it was done in that day. They would go to church to be cleansed at church. And they couldn't go there because they were watching their sheep. So the Pharisees, the religious people said, well, they never go to church. They're really messed up people. So they're sinners. So Jesus uses an illustration. I want you to say, hey, listen, if there's 99 sheep and one gets lost, the shepherd's going to go find that sheep. And when he finds that sheep, he's going to throw it over his shoulders. He's going to rejoice. He's going to be excited. But they're like, shepherds suck. Shepherds aren't good people. That's a bad illustration, Jesus. Have you ever thought Jesus sometimes used illustrations that people didn't get? That they didn't like, they didn't appreciate? Shepherds were considered sinners. So Jesus was using an illustration that the religious people were like, well, that's, that proves our point because shepherds are lost people. When Jesus was trying to teach something different. But Jesus doesn't give up. Just that you should amen. Jesus doesn't give up. So he goes and he teaches another parable. He's, he's still trying to, for, to them to understand why he's hanging with these sinners, why he's hanging with these people. He wants them to understand why he's got this relationship with people that other, other people reject. The, the shepherd and the sheep didn't work. That fell on deaf ears. So he gives another one. The second story parable that he uses, Jesus uses a principle that's a little closer to their heart, money. And we know that because in Luke chapter 16, verse 14, the Bible tells us that the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard the, all these things and they began to ridicule him. So Jesus thought, okay, I'm speaking to a bunch of people who like money. And I, I'm going to replace money with cell phones. <laughs> because you all have credit cards, so you don't, you don't care about cash. What you care about is your cell phone. If you leave your Bible at church, you don't come back to get it till next week. If you leave your cell phone, you come back and you're beating on the doors while the last person's trying to get out of here. Because that's of the greatest value to you. How, how, how many of you, how many of you, if you lose your, if you, if you leave your wallet, you, you can go out 
and go do your business. But if you leave your cell phone, you don't leave the house until you turn the house upside down to find a cell phone. Come on now. You, you don't, and you, don't, you won't go in town without your cell phone. You people in Swenson won't go to Swenson Market without your cell phone. Because you never know that one phone call you've been waiting for your whole life might show up. So he uses this parable. He says, which of you having ten silver coins and one coin is lost will not tear up the house seeking diligently until it's found? This is a three-sentence story which featured their favorite thing, which was money. And he thought maybe they will relate to that better. And the parable reinforces the idea is if the lost thing is valuable enough, you'll do anything you can to find whatever you've lost. If your cell phone's the most important thing to you in your life, you won't go anywhere without it. And if you leave it somewhere, you'll go tear the place, you'll tear the church. We, we've torn the floorboards up because you lose cell phones. I, I think that should be a trap. Like you drop your cell phone under the stairwell, it's staying there. We'll just, yeah, we'll, we'll just wait until they ding and then we'll get rid of it. So he's telling the story about what's, what's of value and what's worth the effort. But this isn't enough for the religious. In fact, it seems as if Jesus got no response at all. So he uses that illustration of seeking what's of value to you. And it's like they just blew it off. Like he just goes from one story to another story. That story did not connect with him at all. So the shepherd didn't connect with him. The money didn't connect with him. So he goes to a third story. That's the story of the lost son. And he goes to his third and final try. And maybe, maybe this will clarify it, is what he's thinking. Maybe they'll understand what I'm saying. And he says, which of you, having lost a child, would not long for them? Which of you, I mean, let's just be honest in the room. Which of you, if you lost a child, would not be brokenhearted? He says, the shepherd and the sheep didn't work because you think the shepherds are sinners. The, the money didn't work because you don't care about an extra coin because you're not that poor. But what if you lost a child? Wouldn't you long for them to come home? In Jesus' mind, even the religious people have to love their children. And if one of their children were lost, they would want them back. Even if they went off and did horrible things. Things the family might not agree with, disrespectful things, dishonest things. But if they came back in humility, you would accept them back, right? He's saying even if your kids did things I don't agree with, but if they came back and said, please take me back, you as a parent, is that not true, would take your child back. And he thinks this third one's going to connect. But these men could not find any joy in Jesus or those who followed him. In the next chapter, Jesus said this. He explains it this way. He says, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For, that, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What is important to you is not important to God. With most men, with especially religious people, what's important to religious people is not important to God. What's important to religious people is just not what God is thinking is valuable. 
These men didn't care about lost sheep. They, didn't, they weren't motivated by a lost coin. And they weren't touched by a lost son. See, you can't just take this, the parable and break it apart from the other, other two. One parable and make it a part of the other two. You've got to take them all together. Jesus has been laughed at and mocked and he's trying to teach them why he cares so much about these sinners who are coming to them. Why he cares so much about these broken people. Why he goes out of his way to make sure that they have a place where they feel loved and valued. And the religious people don't get it. I mean, if like a shepherd, you're responsible for something and it gets lost. Wouldn't you feel like it's your responsibility to find it? And if you needed everything you had, I don't know how you were doing financially, but if you need everything you have, wouldn't you do everything to find what you've lost? Like, I'll just, I've lost a $41 check somewhere. I don't know where I put it. I don't know where I went. I know it's not cash because I would have the cash. I'm tearing my house up right now trying to find a $41 check. You say 41 bucks, that's not a big deal. That's because you're a Pharisee. You don't care about money. It's 41 bucks. I could take my wife on a date with 41 bucks. I'd still have to wash the dishes to pay the tip, but. Yeah. Thank you for your grace. And wouldn't you be crushed if your children went down the wrong path? What if your child became an addict? Well, my children would never do that. There's a lot of parents that never thought their children would become addicts. What, what about if your child marries an abusive spouse? None of us have this dream of our child being hurt by the person that they've claimed to, to love and care for. None of us had that desire. But what happens if it happens? Wouldn't you find relief if what was lost was found? Wouldn't the most important thing to you in the world was lost and was reclaimed? Wouldn't you find peace that they're back? And wouldn't the thing you love more than anything, if you found it again, make you happy? Wouldn't you want to throw a party and celebrate? No, wouldn't you? Like, if, 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 if that which is lost is found, you would want to share with your friends. That's what the story says. He, they shared with their friends. They wanted everybody to know, hey, I lost my sheep and I found it. What about the 99? They're fine. The one was lost. What about the lost? Listen, when I find my 41 bucks, I'm blogging about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reopen Facebook and I'm going to put it on Facebook. So everybody knows I found my $41 check. And I'm, I'll take a picture of me and my wife eating out at Plaza Jalisco because that's the only place we go. If that which I value more than anything, my children, come to Christ, I'm going to rejoice. And I don't care whether you're happy or not. I will be happy. Very happy. See, these three parables aren't just separate stories. There's the summary of one point. Jesus wanted the religious to understand why 
why he was celebrating with these sinners. Jesus wanted them to understand why he put so much effort into making sure he shared the gospel. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus did not come here to give you a lifestyle to live. He came here to save you from your sins. And you can learn how to have a lifestyle through him, but your salvation is the first thing you need to lock down. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul said, Paul said this to Timothy, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. I am the greatest sinner ever. And Jesus came to save me, Paul says. I'm excited because Jesus came to save me. And I was messed up. I was killing Christians and I was religious. And I surrendered unto what the, the gospel said, and he saved me. See, the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, when it leaves no impact, Jesus then goes on in the story just a little bit more. There's somebody Jesus is trying to speak to in the room today. And if you don't get what he says in the first three parables, he adds something to the fourth that he wants you to listen to. Because he's talking to the religious crowd. He's talking to the people who uh, are, are law abiders, followers, uh, rule followers. They, they, they don't like to hang around sinners because sinners are dirty and they're, 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 they cuss and they smoke and they drink and they do drugs and they're messed up in their families. And they're messing their own lives up. But Jesus just had this knack of reaching them, sharing the gospel, having them seek forgiveness through him, and being restored unto a new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, but all things have become new. I still believe that verse applies to today. So he goes on, and he's, trying to, he's getting a little personal. Now he's going to get personal with the Pharisees. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to talk it through. And Jesus says, now his older son, this is after the, 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 the lost son goes and parties with pigs, he's eating pigs and he parties his money away and he wastes his life and he comes back home and the dad throws this party, he's having a great time. And the older son who was who in the field, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He heard music and dancing. He heard music and dancing. Something was going on in the house that was happy. It was a happy place. It was a happy time. It was a, it was a joyful moment. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Safe and sound. Safe and sound. He's back safe and sound. But the son was angry and refused to go in, and his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. The father was celebrating with the family and the servants and everybody that was around. This kid just wanted to celebrate about his, with his friends. That's, that has nothing to do with anything other than sometimes we don't care about celebrating with a church. We just want to celebrate with ourselves. 
But when the son of yours came, when the son of yours came, meaning dad, dad was kind of like the son, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, then you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said, son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting. It was right. It was the right thing to celebrate. And be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Jesus says there's an older son in the story. And he's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about the religious crowd. He was trying to teach the religious. He, one more time. One, he tried three parables. And on the third parable, he says, that's not enough. I'm going to go. I'm going to get more personal. I'm talking to you, Pharisee. I'm talking to you, religious person. And he's talking to the older son. The more mature, the more stable. I'm the baby of eight. I am not the most mature or stable. But, you, you know, if you're a firstborn child, you know what that feels like. Like, you're... You're always having to take care of your, your mother's kids. My sister was born. She was 18 years old. When I was born, when my sister was 18 years old, she told my mom, I'm not raising another one of your kids, and she moved out because she didn't want to raise me, which would have been the highlight of her life. <laughs> She'd probably still be talking about how awesome it was to be a part of my life. That's what the youngest thinks about the oldest. And he's, he's the older son, and he's never been in any, any, any trouble. He's never been lost. He's never been missing. He's never been messed up. Do you know that kind of person? Like, they've never been lost. They don't know what it's like to be lost because they never wandered away. That's not bad. That's, that's a good thing. That's a positive. They, they never messed up. They never went and took dad's money and partied with it. They never went missing because they're just faithful. They're just loyal. They're just good. There's nothing wrong with being good. I, I'm going to say it again because I can only identify with probably three people in the building. There's nothing wrong with being good. And some of you are, have been just good people. That's not a bad thing. And I want to keep saying that over and over again because I don't want you to, to think that I'm saying that you're not as much of a good person because you're not messed up. You're messed up when you start judging people that aren't perfect like you have been. That's where it gets messed up. That's where this whole story is about. It's about a bunch of uh, Pharisees who are judging the fruit of Jesus Christ and grumbling amongst each other. You know, those people in church, they're all they're messed up people. They're just, if, they, if they would do right things, I would want to go to church. You will never find perfect people in church because we started out needing Jesus to be our Savior. We started out in sin and needed salvation. You'll find some good people that didn't have to go the path that some of us did because they were smarter than we were. The danger is becoming judgmental. And the son doesn't understand why everyone's so happy. Why are you so happy? And he's angry and he refuses to celebrate with the family. I am not going to be happy. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to put my foot down because I'm right and he's wrong and he did wrong things with what he did. Well, of course he did. He was lost. 
then the father comes out to the son just like Jesus is going to the Pharisees. So that's what the picture is. I've come out to you, Jesus. I'm coming out to you to kind of help you understand why I'm hanging with sinners and unrighteous people. And he says to the father, he says, I've served you all these years. I'm the good son who's been faithful to you all these years. And I've never disobeyed your commands. And you've never rejoiced over me the way you rejoiced over them. He's blown all your money and he's hooked up with prostitutes. He threw that one in there to make sure he knew that was the worst child you could have is to do things like that. To blow his inheritance and to mess around with strange women. And he says, you've made a bigger deal of him than me. But the father says, that's not true. Everything that I have is yours. And, I, and he, he, the father was honoring the son with that, saying that everything I have is yours. You have everything the father has to offer. You have all that heaven has to offer. Listen to me. You, you've been good and that's good, and you've got all the good stuff. So why are you judging those that are messed up? So let me speak to somebody in the room about this. You've never struggled with alcohol. Praise God. You've never dealt with deep insecurities because your parents raised you to think positively about yourself. And you were able to fight off any things in school that made you feel like you were less than. You were able to, to defeat that because you had good parents building you up and telling you, not lies, but they were building you up telling you, don't be afraid of being this amazing person that you are. And you grew up thinking, I can be confident in myself. You've never had to fight demons. You've never had to fight demons. And there are demons that are very much alive on this earth trying to, trying to destroy your lives, doing the work of the devil, stealing, killing, and destroying. But you've never had to fight those. It's not because you didn't do anything wrong. It's just, you just never had to fight the demons. You never experienced great pain. Everything's been pretty good for you. And that's not, I'm not, please, I'm saying this. I'm beg, begging you to understand that's not a bad thing. Some of you have never experienced great pain. You've experienced some pain, but you've never experienced great pain that maybe others have. You've never failed in your responsibilities. You've always just been good. You've always been wise. You've never blown your money. You never rebelled against your parents. I know there's somebody in the room saying, who is that? There's somebody in here. They've never, they just didn't do it. They're not bad people. They're good people. They're God people. They've always been wise and they've never just fought against authority. And that's good. But there's another person in the room that's not like that. Sinners, do you remember when you were lost? Do you remember when you were lost? 
Do you remember when you were so scared because you didn't know what way to go, where to go, who to go to? You were lost. You, you, were, you were out there all on your own, and you had no help or hope for any help in your life. Remember feeling that you had no value, that nobody cared? You're just out there on your own like you have no value. No one's going to be looking for you, lost coin. You're just one we'll just skip over. You're one that you just think people just pass by. And you were alone. You're, you're, you're sitting under a couch and you've been there for a while. And it's like nobody notices that I'm missing. Anybody in this room remember that time where you remember or you felt like you didn't matter and you weren't missing? Remember feeling confident that you didn't need authority in your life? I don't need my parents. I'm 16. I know everything. Come on. How many of you were 16 and you knew everything? You knew way more than your parents. What do your parents know? They've only been on this planet for 50 years and experienced all, all sorts of things. Like my parents raised seven kids before they got to me. I think they knew how to raise a kid. And for the most part, they did a great job. Remember when you went off and on your own and you just lived a life of partying? Remember when you had sex outside of marriage with multiple people and thought that's the way life is supposed to be? Remember when you drank yourself into unconsciousness? Found yourself in a ditch next to the door that you fell out of that you didn't remember that you fell out of it and luckily you had the rig in park so it didn't run you over? You remember that? You remember selling yourself for drugs, stealing from your family to support your drug habit. You remember being afraid to go back home? Like the one place that should be safe, the one place that you should feel welcomed. You can't go home. You've burned the bridges. You've wasted their lives. You've ruined their You've hurt your mother. You've hurt your father. Your brothers and sisters don't even like you anymore. They don't even want you around because you're just a mess. You just mess things up for the family. When you show up, it's all drama. And all you do is bring trauma. You remember life being so unbearable that you just humbled yourself one day and said, I got, I got to go back home and you remember how that felt to realize you just wasted your life and the only place to feel safe is to come back home those are the people that are hanging around Jesus see there are people in this room that are like the laughing Pharisees you've never truly been lost so it upsets you when sinners are celebrated. I've had Christians that have rebuked me as a pastor for spending more time with sinners than saints. See, if you've ever been lost, you would understand what Jesus is trying to teach in this passage. If you've ever been lost and in need of Jesus Christ, you would know what I'm trying to say today. 
See, if you know what that's like, you would leave your comfortable life of religion and go looking for lost sheep. If you know what it's like, or heard what it's like to be lost, you would be looking for those who are lost because you know nobody wants to live that way. You would walk away what you think is so valuable that you won't leave, and you'll spend your time and money seeking what Jesus sees as valuable. That's lost souls. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you'd stop being so cranky about how the Father celebrates humility. You would be happy that a sinner comes and gets saved and is restored under a relationship with God. You'd you'd rejoice when broken people are healed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Instead of grumbling about how imperfect people are in the church, you'd recognize that that's the kind of church that Jesus was a part of. Just read the stories of his disciples. How messed up were they? That's what church is like. There's always a Peter who puts his foot in his mouth and won't shut up. Right? There's always a Judas who's going to betray Jesus. Come on now. There's always a Thomas who's going to question everything. Well, why do we do that, Jesus? See, if you knew what it was like to be lost, if you hung around sinners who need to be saved, if you actually spent some time away from the safety and security of yourself and your own spirituality and start realizing there are broken, hurting people in need of a Savior in this world, and you start hanging around them, you'd find out that that's where the real joy is. Instead of grumbling about, oh, I already said that. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he said, the Spirit, he's quoting Isaiah 61, verse 61, 1 and 2. And Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering to the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me not to go build a, a, a perfect world for perfect people, I came to find broken people and to help them know who Christ is so they can be saved from their sins. And I've been anointed by God to do that, Jesus says. He goes on in Matthew 11, verses 4 through 6. He says, Jesus answered them and said, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended in me. Are we offended by the kind of people that Jesus seems to attract? Broken, lost, hurting, suffering, deaf, blind, dumb, dead. Jesus wants to take them and bring them back to life. Jesus wants to give them hope where they're hopeless, help where they're helpless, holiness where they're unholy. So when somebody gets saved, I just want you to know I'm going to rejoice because I've been where they've been. I know what it's like to be judged by a church. I know what it's like to be judged by Christians. I know what it's like to be turned away because I'm not perfect. 
I know what it's like to not feel comfortable around Christians because they're so judgy about how imperfect my life was. So if you're lost, lost, and even more lost, we got a Savior for you. His name is Jesus. See, I know what it's like to be found by Jesus. I remember when he came to me and he put me on his shoulders. He found me lost far away from him. And I remember him taking me and holding me close and putting me on his shoulders and bringing me back and rejoicing with the people around me saying, look, look who was lost and now found. I remember my parents rejoicing when I started following Jesus seriously. Because my parents had been begging God for me to be saved for a long time. And they got to watch that. I know what it's like to be found by Jesus. I know what it's like to be that lost coin where you don't feel like you have any value. And all of a sudden, Jesus cared about me. Jesus cared so much for me that he gave his life on the cross to pay for my sins. Sins that I committed. Things that I did. Things that I did wrong to people and to myself. Yet he thought I was so valuable, he would... God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I got everlasting life from a God who wanted to save me from my sins because he believed that I was of value, enough value to sacrifice his son. Listen, I love y'all, but I ain't sacrificing my son for you. I love my son more than I love you. That's how much God loves you more than his son, that he would sacrifice his son for you. So those of you that don't feel like you got any value, you need to understand Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. You are that valuable to him. And I've been found like Jesus. I, I, I remember coming home. I came to church one, well, I was kind of rebellious, and I came to church, and I was welcomed by a man by the name of Ed Jasper. Now, Ed was a longshoreman, and I don't know if you know anything about longshoremen, but longshoremen aren't the Christian type. So Ed had a history. But every time I walked into this building, every time I walked into church, Ed would find me, grab my hand, shake my hand, and make sure that I knew that I had value to him. That I was important. That, that, I, um, that I was welcomed home. Ed rejoiced that I started following Jesus. Ed rejoiced when I came back to church. Ed rejoiced because he knew that I was lost and now I'm found. I was living my life like, like the prodigal son. Ed made sure that I felt like I was valuable. If Jesus is going to leave the 99 that are safe for those who are suffering, I'm just going to tell you, so will I. If Jesus is going to leave the 99 to find the one, if that one is that important or that lost person needs to be found, then if Jesus will do it, so will I. How about you? If Jesus is going to turn the house upside down till he finds what he values, which is me, then so will I. How about you? What's more important to you, your cell phone or the soul of a man? I'm not picking on cell phones, making sure that they're, they're not all evil. Just the ones that are turned on are. If Jesus is going to patiently wait until a runaway child comes home, if Jesus is going to be sitting on the hillside, 
patiently waiting for that child to eat with pigs and to get tired of the drugs and the alcohol, get tired of the abuse, get tired of the struggle, get tired of the fear, get tired of the worry. He's just going to wait. If he's going to wait until that child comes home and then welcomes him with open arms, runs to him, wraps his arms around him and says, my son who was dead is now alive. Let's have a party. If Jesus will do that, then so will I. How about you? I'll kill the fatted calf and rejoice because that which is lost has been found. And if heaven's going to rejoice, I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be that Christian that gets up to heaven and it's cranky and says, look at all these sinners up here. <laughs> look at you parked this guy right, driving a Suzuki next to my Harley in heaven. There must, there must be something wrong here. Instead of just being happy, that this man or this woman is in heaven with you. I don't care who lives next to me. You can live in my mansion because I'll just find another one or we'll just live together, <laughs> which might be awkward because my wife will be there. It's a joke. See, one thing that you will never do, you will never spoil it for me. You can try. You can grumble and you can judge and you can blame and you can criticize and you can complain about sinners and broken people and messed up people. But you'll never spoil it for me. Because I know what it's like to be that person. I know what it's like to be that person who needed Jesus Christ. And I had some good godly friends who encouraged me to trust Christ as my Savior to start attending church, to start reading my Bible, to start praying, to start growing, to start changing. And they held me accountable by walking this walk with me. I wasn't alone. So Jesus is hanging with sinners and the religious crowd are judging it. It's because they don't know what it's like to be found. Maybe some of you need to get a little lost. Or at least hang around those that are and see just how broken they are. And realize they need what you've had your whole life. They need what you've had maybe through great parents or through great opportunity, whatever it is. But not everybody has the salvation that you have. That's the parable of the 99 and 1. But you can't take the one parable and set out the other two. There's joy in heaven. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over the 99 who have never been lost. Turn the house upside down to find that lost coin. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. It's good that we celebrate. It's good that we are happy. It's, it's, it's good that we celebrate when somebody gets saved. We're waiting for a tide to have a couple of baptisms. Waiting for a tide. You know what I, I just, this is a slight rebuke to Christianity. When somebody gets baptized, they're saying that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And I'm going to picture that connection through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the picture of baptism. Baptism doesn't save them. Their salvation comes through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for them. Their baptism just pictures what Jesus did for them. 
And you know what I find with a lot of Christians? You don't celebrate when people get baptized. I think it's one of the most exciting times in a Christian's life. Because they're showing the world, look at what Jesus did. 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 Look at what Jesus did to me. He changed me. We should be celebrating the lost. Don't spoil it. I took some kids on a trip one time. Nine of them got saved on this camp trip. Nine of them. And they came home. And I remember dropping them off Saturday night. They were pumped about Jesus. They were passionate about Jesus. They wanted to be in church. They, they would have done church Saturday night. But they went home to their parents. And you know that there were two parents in that group who said to their kids, why are you so excited about Jesus? You know what's interesting to me? The kids are in church now. The parents aren't. Don't be a spoiler. Don't, just don't be a spoiler. Celebrate when somebody gets saved because it's an exciting thing to have. Heaven rejoices. You say, would you stop talking? No, I want you to get this. Heaven rejoices when sinners repent. They get a new life. Their life has changed. Their life is different. We should be celebrating that. And we should be seeking those who are lost. Seeking that which is lost. And seeking those who ran away and need to come back. Instead of judging the fact that, well, they fell away. Well, if you've ever been lost, you know it's easy to get lost the second time. You need somebody to give you a reason to come and sit, come back to church and it's because we're happy to see you. Jesus was happy to see the sinners that he hung around with. He was happy to see the saints. He wanted, he wanted the religious crowd to get it. He wanted them to understand. He uses three parables and one additional story that got personal to get them to come back. He did everything he could to get you to celebrate when lost people get found. What else has he got to do? Three teachings and a fourth edition. Let's stand. Father, I know they're not bad people in the room. But I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own faith that we forget that there are people that don't have it. Some of us have been saved from some horrific experiences in our lives. Some bad choices that we made. And you so graciously and kindly sent somebody to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and we trusted that word and we're forgiven of our sins and given a home in heaven and given peace of God that passes all understanding. But sometimes we forget that we were lost and now we're found. Sometimes we forget the kind of people that we were. 
Sometimes we forget and we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that we're supposed to be seeking what you sought. We need to be reminded, Father, so I don't know who you're speaking to. I don't know who the the Pharisees are in the room and I'm, I'm hoping there's none here. But I'm also talking to those who have been found and forgot to continue to rejoice in others who have been found. But Father, there's a third person I want to talk about and that's I want you to move in the hearts of those who are lost, who are missing, who have messed up their lives. And I want them to know that there is a Savior who has given his life to, to be their God to forgive them of their sins to bring them back into the comfort of of life with him to bring them home they don't have to live prodigal they can live saved so father encourage each one of those people to seek your face right now with heads bowed and eyes closed Chris is going to begin to sing you can sing with her, or if you have somebody on your mind that needs to be found, why don't you just bring their name up to the Lord? Why don't you come to this altar, maybe repent of, maybe you've been that religious person. Where you got so consumed with self and your own situation that you forgot. There are people who need Jesus. Christ wants to be your Savior today. So, so kind. 
He's waiting. He's waiting for you right now. If you need Christ as your Savior, come ahead. Come forward. There's people up front who will talk to you about Jesus. No shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. He wants you. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down and lie you won't tear down, coming after me. how much value you have to him and if you need him today if you need to call upon him to save you come and we'll rejoice we are not going to look down at you for whatever you've done we're going to rejoice because we've got a savior who's done everything you need for him to forgive you of your sins but you got to come come to Jesus today father we love you we just pray that you are encouraged by our hearts today. Open us up. Help us to take the steps necessary to experience the love that you have for us. And Father, for those of us who know you, we should be spending time this week finding somebody who is broken, hurting, lost, prodigal, far away from you, who needs to be restored under a relationship with you. Lord, we, it should not leave our hearts because of what you've done for us and through us. Because we know if you've done it for us, you'll do it for them. We love you so. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for coming today. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Enjoy. Watch the... Uh